you know, if you're there, if you're listening to this, this is time to scale. And what that means is, is that you've got to replicate you. You've got to replicate your offering beyond you and move from boss to leader. And then you start to replicate at a grander scale. Um, and what ha happens here is that you start to multiply your profits. You start to multiply the number of people that you impact and it just goes well beyond you. Welcome to the Lifestyle Edit Podcast, a show about creative female entrepreneurs and the businesses they've built. I'm your host, Naomi Mdudu, the Lifestyle Edit founder, business strategist, and coach to creative female founders ready to scale their businesses with intention. Each week, I sit down with a guest to pull back the curtain on the strategies successful entrepreneurs are implementing to scale their income and increase their impact. We are cutting out the fluff to give you weekly insights to uplevel your mindset and tap into your infinite potential to create a life and business you love on your own terms. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Now let's begin. Alison, welcome to the Lifestyle Edit podcast. I'm so excited to be here, Naomi. Thank you for I, having me. I am so excited to have you. I was just telling you before we got started that I've been in a bit of a rabbit hole of your content over the last few days because I just feel like there is so much information out there when it comes to that early growth stage, but it really starts to peter out when you have kind of got those consistent clients, you've got those consistent customers, and you're really now trying to move away from being the bottleneck in your business and you're trying to transition into that scale stage. Um, so I'm just so excited for all of the nuggets of wisdom that I know that you're going to be sharing with everyone on today's episode. But before we get into all things strategy and tactics, I'd love for you to just give people a little bit of your background, you know, especially, you know, just to give you guys some context, Alison has scaled 10 successful companies. So can you just give us a bit of the back, the background story? Yes, definitely. I grew up in a very entrepreneurial family. My father built a large women's clothing chain in the U.S. And I, you know, grew up with him going from store to store and just watching him and his passion for business, his passion for helping people. And that really rubbed off on me. I never uh, really thought about having a job. In fact, um, I think two weeks was the longest I was able to hold a job. So figuring that I was unemployable, uh, by 19, I had started my first business. And um, I just, you know, I got the bug from then. And uh, I started doing um, brochures and uh, radio commercials and TV commercials and, you know, started developing this full-service advertising NPR firm. And the funny thing is, Naomi, I had no education in any of those things. I truly was fake it till you make it uh, in that first business. People would just ask and I would say, oh, yeah, I can do that. And, um, and then I would scramble to find people that knew how to do that. So I was great at, at asking for help. Thank goodness. Um, and so, you know, I really learned along the way. I was good at flying by the seat of my pants like a lot of business owners are in the beginning. 
um, which was great for learning, but it definitely was not great for growing and scaling because I didn't know how to build the foundation under me. I didn't know how to scale. I didn't know how to build systems or delegate. I was a control freak. I thought I had to do everything. And I was so afraid that things were going to fall apart if I let go. And it ended up completely imploding. Um, and uh, I, you know, just from the exhaustion, and some of you that are listening might, might uh, relate to this, but I just had no life. I was miserable. And even though I was making a lot of money, um, you know, I just, I just wasn't living. And one day, um, on my way to pick up my daughter from daycare, uh, I was so stressed and not paying attention. And I ended up having a really horrible car accident. Um, and thank goodness, uh, you know, everybody was okay. Uh, but I walked away. It was a miracle that I, that I survived. And, uh, that was a major wake up call for me. And so that was my, you know, that was the universe saying, okay, lady, <laughs> this isn't working. Wake up. And the thing is, I knew I loved business. I knew this was the journey that I was going to take. But I knew if I was going to do it and do it successfully, I had to really learn how to scale. So what did that look like for you? Yeah. So, you know, here I had built this successful business and I was miserable. And so um, I was also in a really difficult marriage at the time. And after that accident, it really made me look at my life and say, you know, what do you want? And I knew that I wanted to uh, be aligned with the work that I did. I knew that I wanted to help people. I knew I wanted to make a difference. And I also wanted to have a life outside of my business and time with my daughter, who at the time was under two years old. So I ended up walking away from that business, basically handing it to my partner at the time and walking away from the, my marriage all at the same time. I had Wow. So many people around me telling me I was crazy, what happened to me. And um, I just, I took a year off to really study what was I doing right and what was I doing wrong? Because I, some part of the formula, I, I had it down. I was able to get these clients like Ben and Jerry's and Supercuts and Charlotte Russe. And uh, I just didn't, I wasn't able to handle the fulfillment side. It just got bigger than me. And so um, I just studied companies like my clients, like Charlotte Roos, like Ben and & Jerry's, and really learned to systemize, to build a team. And uh, I got back in the game, uh, built a really strong blueprint for growth and a blueprint for scaling. And from then on, built nine very successful companies that I've had a blast with. And uh, now in my 10th company, which is called Pinnacle Global Network. We mentor business owners all over the world, my team of CEOs and I, uh, and just help them to scale the right way. And uh, I just love it. So I want to back up for a moment because I feel like we hear this word scale a lot, but it's used interchangeably with growth. And I know that you have distinguished these two terms. So what is the difference between being in the growth phase and the scale phase? 
So the growth phase is when you're just starting to get traction, um, you're getting clients, you're getting clarity on your target market, you're starting to build a team, you're starting to delegate, you're starting to put systems in place. But in, in the growth phase, a lot of times, especially in service businesses, um, the CEO or the owner of the business is the one that is delivering the product or service. And, or you might have a small team. But generally, um, you know, you are approving everything that's going in and out of the business. You become the bottleneck. And there's no more bandwidth. There's no more time. There's no more energy. And, you know, even though you might be making some cash, you're putting it all back into the business. So there's really no room for growth. Uh, beyond that, you know, you've hit this proverbial wall and um, so many business owners can relate to this, you know, and then you just keep trying the same tactics that got you to that wall, uh, <laughs> but they're not working anymore, you know, and so you just keep pounding harder and pounding harder, but you're still stuck at the wall. And and um, so this is a point, and actually you'd like to strategize on this prior to hitting the wall. But, you know, if you're there, if you're listening to this, this is time to scale. And what that means is, is that you've got to replicate you. You've got to replicate your offering beyond you and move from boss to leader. And then you start to replicate at a grander scale. Um, and what happens here is that you start to multiply your profits, you start to multiply the number of people that you impact, and it just goes well beyond you. And this is when you're scaling. And uh, But your expenses do not multiply at the same rate. <laughs> I that's believe the, you that, added that, that is the, Yes, that's super important because if you keep um, you know, the expenses at the same rate, you might as well stay small. Because, you know, and it, this, this is pretty common. People are so focused on the top line, revenue, 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 but they're spending the same amount. So they might as well stay small because uh, there's no difference there. And I think I'm so pleased that you spoke about profitability because I do believe that very often it's like profitability isn't even, is not a priority. It's kind of pushed to the sidelines and it's so about this top line revenue. And we know that the more profit you get, the more you're able to grow and reinvest back into growing your business faster because you have the resource. Um, and you are transitioning from being creating something that's ultimately giving you a job to creating something that's now an asset. Definitely. And, you know, that, that is so important. You know, at the end of the day or, you know, let's say come December, you need to have cash in the bank. And, you know, uh, but believe me, in my early business, I, I know exactly that. I was making a lot of money. And then, you know, at the end of the day, there just really wasn't enough cash. You know, I had a lot I owed on credit cards and so forth. So I just wasn't strategic about it. And so it's really important that you have a good strategic plan in place. Now it needs to be flexible because you're going to get new opportunities all of the time. You might try things and it's not working. So you've got to pivot. 
but at least you've got to know, okay, where is it that I want to go? Where is it that I want to take this business? What is my vision? And then, uh, you know, work with someone, get a mentor, reverse engineer that so that you know the steps you've got to take to get there. What are some of the metrics that people should be looking at as, you know, we're going into 2020 and they're seeing the importance of profitability? And I'll just give you guys a little bit of context in my business, because many of you know that I transitioned from a one-to-one model to a one-to-many model. And we're taking that even further in 2020. We're really stripping back our service suite and really focusing on one thing that we can create systems for. We know the levers that we can push in order to get sales. We know how much it costs for us to acquire a customer. We have those data points. So it's easier for us to have consistency and consistency in our bottom line too. So what are some of those metrics that we should be looking at? So we can, you know, make strategic decisions about like business models and, you know, sales and things like that is there anything that people should be thinking about as we're kind of planning into 2020 and making profit a a focus well yeah so first of all what you're doing is very smart you want to look at you know what's your what is driving your top 20 percent of revenue you've probably heard of the 80 20 rule most people are focused on the bottom 80 percent uh and you know the the products or services that uh, are not driving as much revenue and, and maybe making you pull your hair out uh, or attracting clients that are not the ideal clients for you to work with. So you've got to get clear on what is going to be um, the most lucrative, uh, the most enjoyable, and um, you know that is in the most, most demand. And so you focus on that and then you determine you know what is your lifetime, value for these sales. So for instance, on average, how long does a customer stay with you? And, uh, you know, add that up. So if you charge, let's say, $5,000 a year, and they stay with you for three years, and it's worth $15,000 for that customer. And let's say they refer two customers to you. So you could even say $20,000. Uh, or even more, and you know you are spending five hundred or seven hundred dollars to get a client that makes a lot of sense, you know, and you have that clarity. The other thing that you want to look at is what is your conversion rate? How many leads do you need to bring into the pipeline and have those meaningful conversations with if you're hopping on the phone um, or that you you know driving through digitally to have that conversion. So once you know these things, it helps you make uh, smarter decisions on what your marketing spend is going to be and you know how much team that you need to uh, create fulfillment. You know, if, if you are in a service business, how many people can, your, can one team member manage? And so, uh, you know, if you know that you want to get to a certain level financially and you know what you charge, then just, you know, back that up and determine, you know, if you know that one, um, you know, uh, service provider can handle 20 clients, 
um, you know, then you will be able to determine how many employees you're going to need to hit that revenue goal. I love so, uh, that, that Alison. Thank you. Because I think that sometimes we can look at that top line number without thinking how much resource does that service require from us to fulfill it? Yes. Yeah. And, you know, it may take you a while to get there. It may take you, you know, some years to get there, but at least you have an idea of where you're going. And then, you know, you've got to be really careful that um, you don't get distracted. I mean, we live in a distracted reality, right? And so I think that's uh, where people get sabotaged. Um, and so just stay the course. You know, we're 10 years now in our private mentoring and mastermind. And, you know, it's just at the 10th year mark, I feel like, gosh, we've just <laughs> we've got so much more room to go. It's so much fun. Completely. So, yeah, yeah, exactly. So, yeah, and you want to have benchmarks. You know, you want to get clear, especially as we're heading into a new decade. Um, okay, where do we want to be at the end of the year? And instead of just having that big goal for the year, break that down. Break that down into uh, monthly goals, weekly goals, daily goals, especially if you have a sales team. And so then you're able to track. And, you know, if you're 30, 60 days in and things are not working, you're able to pivot. And instead of nine months in going, oh my God, you know, we are so far from where we want to be. 100%. And, you know, my clients are going to be listening, being like, yeah, Naomi's on about this again. But it's so true. Very often when I'm speaking to people and I'm like, how many sales did you make this week? Um, you know, they'll say, oh, I haven't made sales this week. And I'll say, how many conversations did you have this week? <laughs> and then they'll say they haven't had any. So mm -hmm. very often our revenue and our profits are correlated with the conversations that we're having and the invitations to a sale that we're having. And it goes back exactly to what you're saying. We need to be able to look at the metrics. How, what's my conversion rate? So how many people do I need at the top of my funnel in order to be converting at the rate corresponds with you know your weekly you know quarterly targets a hundred percent you've got to have a revenue focused company and I tell um, my clients uh, that you need to be having sales conversations for at least three hours a day wow. and t time block that so if you're better in the morning have 8 30 to 11 30 you are on the phone you are having these uh, deeper conversations. Um, and, you know, whether you have a funnel that's driving people to the phone or it is calling people that you met when you were out networking or you were out in a, at an event or talking to past clients or talking to your clients about referrals. I mean, there's so many different ways um, to drive those conversations and, you know, just continue relationship building. Um, but if you have that focus and you commit to at least three hours a day, by the time 30 days hits, you're going to start seeing more cash in your bank account, but you have to stay consistent and, um, you know, and then you can start really building a team around you. And so you're the rainmaker, but you don't have to have the entire company dependent on you to, you know, to make rain.
Yeah. And I think that's such an important point. And just going back to what you said earlier, we do get distracted. You know, we're listening to the podcast, we're reading all the books, we're hearing all of these different strategies. And one of the things I'm always saying to my clients is that like, we have no business thinking about, you know, (laughs) X, Y, Z until we've stabilized cash flow. Cash flow is king. So until we've got that healthy cash in the door that we're putting out offers, we are we have a system to deliver on that promise of that core offer that we're selling because we have, we kind of have no business thinking about, you know, things that our business should be thinking about once we're in the scale stage, let's kind of get visibility and regular consistent sales through the door first. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's so many shiny objects out there and I think what happens is that business owners panic. And they feel like, oh my God, you know, I'm not doing this and I'm not doing this and I need the, the fancy pages and I need a new website and, and, okay. and all of that. And, um, you know, you, you really do need to watch your bottom line, stay the course, drive sales, start building up your cash. And it takes time. Have some patience. You know, if you feel like you're flatlined, uh, really stay focused for six months. And you'll see, you'll turn that ship around, you know, then you, you can start doing some of these other things. But, you know, I outline in my book, Scale or Fail, 17 different ways to scale your business. You know, there's, there's not just one. Um, there are many ways to do it, but you only need one. I want to quickly pause this episode to let you know that our 12-month Thrive Mastermind is officially open. Friends, scaling a business doesn't need to feel overwhelming, nor should it feel like a strain. That's why over the years, I've worked with countless service-based female founders just like you to scale the work they love while increasing their impact and income in a way that allows them to be fully present in their lives. In Thrive, we support you to step into the CEO role of your business. How? By helping you transition out of being the bottleneck by getting crystal clear on the high leverage activities you're uniquely positioned to do while providing you with a framework to automate and delegate the rest. So Thrive is for you if you know you're suffering from analysis paralysis and you're battling with limiting beliefs that you know are holding you back from taking consistent action but are ready to lean in and do the inner work. It is for you if you're overwhelmed with information and done trying to figure out everything on your own and you want support from a mentor who's been there and can help you build a profitable business that actually feels good and expansive to run. Thrive is for you if you're fed up with inconsistency in your income and are ready to consistently attract clients you love working with and want to surround yourself with people who encourage you to up-level, who truly get you and are just as committed to growing as you are. So, doors only open a few times a year and we have limited spots, so head to thelifestyleedit.com to learn more. You know... You don't need to dilute yourself in, in going in all different directions. Uh, but if you can start planning what you're going to do from the get-go, uh, then, you know, and, and that's something that I didn't know in the early days, then you don't have to, uh, you know, hit a wall like I did. 100%. Could you walk us through then some of those steps 
in that kind of scaling journey, what should we be thinking about? What are some of the things that we should be putting in place to make that easy? Well, I, th- I think first is decide which, you know, resonates with you. Because as I said, there are many ways to scale. So here are some of the um, directions you could go. You could create a certification program, meaning that you teach others uh, your method, uh, your signature method, and you create a certification around that. Um, and so there's a very specific way that they need to be offering their method to your clients. So, you know, you start to multiply there. You've got a bunch of people out uh, sharing your method. So that's one way to scale. You can create a subscription program. And so you can create your offering. Um, you can package it. You can combine it with other people's offerings. You can create a product with a service or a service with a product and have that recurring revenue, even if it's uh, a lower dollar amount, you know, $19.99, $29.99 a month. And, uh, you know, if you are eventually wanting to build this asset, uh, that is going to increase the valuation of your company to have that recurring revenue. And it adds up over time. I have uh, one of my clients uh, built a urban winery right here in San Diego and um, called Koizen. And they're clients of mine in, in our Pinnacle Global Network. And we help them create a membership program with the wine. And I think that they've got about 600 members right now. And so, you know, it's a couple hundred dollars per customer per month in this wine club. And so, you know, that's starting to really build into something lovely. Um, You can uh, create a technology for your business. So you can create a uh, a software uh, that's, you can definitely scale that. You can go from local to global. And, uh, you know, one of the ways that we've scaled in, uh, in my business, a couple ways. One is that I'm not doing the direct coaching. I have a team of CEOs that have built very successful companies that we strategically partner with our clients. So, you know, I've scaled beyond me. And they uh, share my signature method, and they also share the wisdom and experience they've had in building these companies. Um, That's one way. And then now we have chapters across the country, uh, pinnacle roundtables, where our clients get together face-to-face in communities across the country. And these are facilitated from some of our members that have been with us for at least three years. So, you know, that's another way to scale, right? There, you, you find your multiplier and um, where it begins to grow beyond you. So, um, and there's franchising, there's retainers, there, you know, there's all kinds of fun ways to scale. It's, but you only need one, you know, figure out what that is yeah. and then just, you know, take one step at a time. What are some of the mindset and belief shifts that you have had to lean into in order to facilitate these kind of quantum leaps in your growth as you've scaled? Because just as I was hearing you say that, I know there are going to be people thinking, oh, but I'm the only one that can do it. And that was definitely a limiting belief that, <laughs> that, I, that I subscribed to for a long time and that was keeping 
people that was a bottleneck in my growth. So I just wonder from a mindset perspective, what that's looked like for you if you've, as you've taken these big kind of quantum leaps. That's super important. And I'm glad that you brought that up. I struggled with that, Naomi, for a long time. And because I was afraid to let go and I was worried about my clients, but really, if, if, I, if I was honest with myself, my ego was in the way. I thought it had to be me. And it just wasn't true. You know, your clients want their questions answered. They want to be supported. And if they are supported, if they are well taken care of, um, they don't need you. <laughs> so, uh, so that's a wake-up call. And, um, you know, if you are the one that is delivering that product or service, you cannot scale, period, end of story. And you will burn out. That is what's going to happen. And so you need to start slowly building that team. And, you know, I, I remember in, in this business years ago, the first coach that I hired, um, she was great. And then one day, I mean, she was managing many clients. And one day she said, I quit. And I was just in a complete panic because, you know, I didn't have any other support. So that was a huge lesson for me. And from that point, I hired four uh, four new team members to help manage our clients. So I went from one to four. And those four are still with me today, all these years later. Um, but, you know, it, it's uh, you've got to take the step to move beyond you and learn to let go. And you know what? It's so much more fun when you have a team around you and you are building this vision together and it's not just all on your shoulders. 100%. And I'm really pleased that you brought that up because I think that is sometimes the tendency that we take that first leap, we make that first hire. And instead of delegating, we can actually abdicate because it's like, oh, let me put all of this stuff on that person's um, plate. And they now feel the overwhelm that we were feeling originally. Yes. Um, and sorry, go ahead. Well, you, you want to train them. Right. I mean, you know, and, and in the early days, you know, as we were really growing, it was kind of like, you know, jump in the swimming pool and <laughs> learn to swim. Um, but over time, uh, uh, you know, we didn't have this at the beginning, but, you know, you need to, it's kind of build the plane while you fly it. And at, along the way, we began to build training programs for our mentors and, um, you know, really have a system in place. So when, you know, people come on our team and, you know, we could spend a year to find that right person. Uh, and for us, it needs to be a CEO who has built a very successful company. Um, but they may work with us for four months and never have one client. I mean, they, it, we take that long to really onboard people to make sure that they, you know, are properly uh, working with our clients and delivering, you know, what we offer. And I guess that's where the systems part comes in, that it's very yeah. often as the founders, we have all of this information in our heads and it's so important to be able to get those systems on paper so that, you know, in moments like that where somebody does leave, you're not, you know, now scrambling around because they have all of the information about how to do that job 
in their heads and they've taken that with them. Yeah. So, um, so systems, what you really want to look at is what are the things that you and in your company uh, are repeated often? So for instance, onboarding a client, um, you know, if the, the customer journey that you take your clients through, or let's say the sales process, um, you know, all of these things that, you know, are pretty much the same over and over. You don't want to keep recreating the wheel. So figure out the step-by-step of each of these things. And, you know, as you grow, you're going to have your team members start to build systems as well on the things that they do over and over. So, for instance, if you have someone doing social media, have them, you know, create a, a calendar with that. Um, and, you know, you want it to be so that if they leave your company, that somebody else could just step in and flip on that system, you know, whether it's on a Google Drive or, or Google Docs or, you know, uh, you know, it's recorded on a video that you don't really even have to teach them. You just go here, read this, watch this, and they will know exactly what to do. Um, and it takes time. It doesn't happen overnight. And, you know, if you're building a few systems a quarter, uh, that's a really good thing. And then the key is that your team is actually using the systems. You know, <laughs> yeah. It's one thing is that you could have them, but, you know, everybody continues to just, uh, um, you know, do, do it their own way. And so that doesn't work either. One of the things that we've implemented that works has worked really well is we have a systems meeting mm. um, once a month. And we have somebody that is responsible for that meeting and holds the uh, attendees accountable. And they each have to create one new system to bring to the table uh, or optimize a system that they've been using you know, for each meeting, and then they share how it works. I love that. I am totally seeing that. Go that. right ahead. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's been great because, you know, you can tell people all day long to do it, but they are so busy with their other um, priorities, you know, that this keeps taking the back burner. But, you know, to free yourself up and to really grow, you've got to have those good systems in place. So as you've expanded your team, what, where are you spending your time and how are you able to keep a pulse on what's going on in the business? Well, you know, we have meetings um, and we have uh, like, for instance, once I'm off this interview, we have our weekly mentor meeting and we've been running that for about seven years. And so I have uh, our, we call our chief mentor, Melissa Woods, and she actually runs that meeting. But I do like to participate because it is my way of staying connected to our mentoring team and also hearing what's going on with the clients and how they're all doing and, you know, brainstorming on um, supporting them and so forth. And so really looking at the di different divisions of your company and, um, you know, we have a, a marketing meeting and an admin meeting and so forth. And, you know, at this point, I don't need to be in on all of those, but I know that the team is meeting regularly and staying on top of what priorities there are. And we have a marketing uh, team agenda. 
And so I'm able to really check that and make sure we're on track with the things that um, I want to see happen. Um, but as far as where I spend my time is like doing things like this and uh, out building relationships and, um, and, and being that overall strategist. I mean, you know, uh, my mind is always going and, and I love it and I get excited and uh, we have some really um, lovely things that are going to be happening as we step into this new decade. And, and so that's what I like to focus on are the creative strategies, the new ideas, the multipliers, what are the things that will move us, you know, to them from one to many. And, uh, and then also, you know, making sure we have the right team in place. So as you are thinking about 2020, what is your planning look like? Where do you begin? What are the things that you're kind of asking yourself? So you're already saying, looking at the multipliers, what else? How, how can we all be more strategic about what our goals are for next year? Because I think it's easy to say, you know, I'm going to 10x next year, or I'm going to do the, sometimes the goals that are not in context. So how can we approach that in a more intentional way? Yeah, I think the first thing that needs to happen before you uh, get focused on the vision is take a hard look at where you're at. And, you know, ask yourself some powerful questions. Uh, for instance, um, what did not work this year? You know, what are the marketing strategies, operational strategies, time management strategies that you've been employing um, or, you know, even the type of customers that you've been going after that just are not working? Yeah. Like, you know, instead of continuing to beat yourself against this, you know, this wall, um, it's, it could be time that you just need to drop those things. You know, what are habits that you want to let go of? Um, and, and really, you know, journal about that, um, get therapy about it, whatever you need to do, but you, you know, uh, get a mentor, get the support for sure. But, you know, let those things go. Let's not bring those into the new decade, you know, and, and it, it's interesting. It's physically easier to let go of things, but we make it so much harder than it needs to be. And I think sometimes we make ourselves wrong for some of those things. So it's easier to just think about the future without dealing with that. You know, I do the same process and I'm in the thick of it now. Like, where have I not been consistent in my business? Why? Because <laughs> I can create all of the goals for next year, but it's so important to be able to reflect and see what was the underlying issue there so that we can deal with that and then kind of move forward with, with, with what we've got planned for the new year. Yeah, I think that, um, you know, we can be really hard on ourselves and that's something that, you know, we're kind of wired that way. So we have to work on our thoughts um, and be kind to ourselves. You know, I'm always saying to my body, thank you. Thank you for taking such good care of me. Um, I love you, you know, like really be good to yourself. And, you know, we're not going to be good at everything. I screw up all the time. And, uh, you know, it, it's, it's okay. It means that you're learning and you're growing. I mean, nothing is going to um, make you face your stuff more than owning a business. 
not easy, (laughs) you know, it's, you know, otherwise everybody would do it. You know, you have to create your own systems. You have to create your own structure, you know, in a job it's set for you. Someone's telling you what to do. Now you've got to figure it all out. So go easy on yourself and know that you're in it for the long haul. Yeah. No, I love that. So, okay. So we're reflecting back on the, the existing year. What's the next step as we start to think future? Well, once you've done that and figured out what you're going to let go of, now it's time to say, okay, what is it that I want to, uh, what's the conversation I want to be having at the end of next year? What do I want to be super excited about? Um, you know, and, and, and write that down. And then also get clear on how do you want to spend your time? What do you want your days to look like? You know, and instead of your calendar owning you, you need to own it. So, um, you know, so really look at how you want to spend your time and and be, don't let, you know, this is where we allow our business to run us. So you can make that decision. You know, what time are you going to start uh, working with your team or seeing clients? Um, And what I would be um, very mindful of is not incorporating more than two projects per quarter. Yeah, for sure. You know, I mean, that's eight projects a year. It's a lot to accomplish. No more than two. And if you do one, your team will love you. I mean, I used to just pile stuff on because I can do a lot in a short period of time. And I just thought, oh, that's normal. Um, And then I had an employee say to me once, Allison, you're like a red Ferrari and we are running so fast to try to keep up with you. (laughs) And at the time I was just, I just thought, well, run faster. You know, what's your problem? Yeah. Uh, But that's, you know, (laughs) that's not the way to run a business. So I was like, oh, yay, wait a minute. And also, I guess. Really listen to what you're. Just because you can doesn't mean that you should. Exactly. Exactly. You know, like you've got to be smart about it and, you know, you're going to burn yourself out. Um, You know, I was a homeopathic physician for many, many years. And so I'm all about body, mind, spirit, really take care of yourself um, first. And in fact, in this last year, well, I made this commitment last December was to take one week off every single month of this year. And I've done that. It's probably my biggest achievement of the entire year. And a couple months I took two weeks off and I truly unplugged. It's been our most profitable year. Um, it has been my most inspired year and I've already calendared it, you know, for next year. Yeah. Oh, that's such a beautiful way to end. It's true. You scaling a business doesn't mean compromising on your life and the things that matter outside of your business. You just have to be intentional. And like you said, when you pick a model that's conducive to that, that's when every, the magic happens. Um, Alison, I know that you've got an event coming up um, that goes even deeper into a lot of these strategies. Would you mind sharing a bit about that? Definitely. I'm super excited about it. It's called Level Up Live. And uh, this is our ninth year 
and we are already almost sold out. We, we sell out of this event every year. And what is so awesome is just like the things we've been talking about here on this interview, that I get the opportunity to uh, work with all of these awesome business owners over three days, and we build your customized scale plan. So step-by-step, step, we break everything down from, you know, which scale strategy are we going to employ? And then we, um, we put the plan in place for that. We put the plan in place for your marketing, your sales, your team, your time management, you know, the whole shebang. And you literally leave uh, walking out with this, you know, roadmap. Um, and you have the clarity and the confidence to put it into action. And so by taking those three days, which, you know, business owners often say, I don't have time, um, but therein lies the problem. <laughs> so yeah. when, you, when you take the time to build the plan, your entire year changes. Yeah. And um, so that's why we've done this event. We do it once a year and we have a lot of people that come and bring their team even or their business partner and take the time and plan the year. Um, and so it's super exciting. We have some incredible uh, speakers as well um, that have built very successful companies and that are sharing their journey. Um, but it's not uh, an event where there's a bunch of breakout sessions. It really is a process that I've developed so that you, when you leave, you have that customized plan in hand. I love it. And I will put all of that information in the show notes and also a link to Alison's book, Scale or Fail, so that you can also go deeper there. Alison, thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed it. So that's it for this week's episode of the Lifestyle Edit podcast. You can download more episodes of this podcast and subscribe in Apple Podcasts or iTunes. If you enjoyed what you heard, we would love a review or recommendation. It's the number one way for us to share these stories and insights with as many creative female entrepreneurs as possible. And don't forget, all the information on how to join the TLE community is in the show notes or simply head to thelifestyleedit.com to sign up.